So let's just launch right into this first topic of what is attention, right? If I had just asked you to tell me or write down on a piece of paper all the things that you think of when I use that word attention, I think the list could be, well, maybe quite short. You might say, oh, it's your ability to focus. And you'd be absolutely right. That's a very, very important aspect of what the brain's attention system does. But we're going to unpack that a little bit more. And I really want to even start a step back. Why is it that the human brain evolved to have an attention system? Well, part of this is because it suffered from a very big problem. Through the course of evolution, what started happening, as you can imagine, is that the kind of content and complexity of what the brain had to deal with became overwhelming. There's far more information in our environment than our brain, which is, which is quite computationally complex, but far more information in our environment than our brain could fully comprehend and analyze. So what the brain's attention system allowed, allows us to do is select a subset of information. So out of all that's out there, let's take a small sliver of it so we can fully probe what's going on there. And then if we can't look at it all, all at once, we can at least sample and get a sense of what's happening in our environment. So it really is quite a useful tool that the brain evolved to have. And the other thing to keep in mind is that we're not, we're not born with our attention systems fully formed. And we know that if you've ever interacted with, with an infant, uh, it's quite a moment when you lock eyes and you get this sense of, ah, this child is paying attention to me. It's a, it's a thrilling moment. But it ends up that the human brain's attention system doesn't fully mature until early adulthood, about the age of 25. And as we'll probably talk about a little bit, um, not only is it late to mature, but unfortunately for all of us, it's very early to start declining. Uh, we probably reach our peak of our attentional ability between the ages of 25 and 35, and then it's a slow sort of decline that we all have to sort of um, accept. But what I'm hoping is that when we think about mindfulness training, it's an actual, an actual way to exercise your attention to keep it stronger for longer. So keep that in mind too. So complex brain system, doing so many important things. And in order to kind of think about what attention does for you, I want to just list some things. So just think about what you're doing right now, right? You are attending to your screen. You're listening to my voice. You're comprehending my words. This is all extremely complex stuff. And we couldn't do any of it without our brain's attention system. So even if we might feel it doesn't always serve us as best as we'd like it to, we rely on it for everything we do to listen, to learn, to comprehend, to communicate, make decisions, plan, act. All of these things require our attention. And maybe even some things that might surprise you. So for example, our ability to regulate our emotions relies on our brain's attention system. Now with all of these different functions that it supports, there's gotta be a, a more organized way that attention operates. And in fact, there is, there's three main systems or what we call subsystems of attention. And I'd like to use some handy metaphors to help you understand what these brain systems are to give you kind of a more subjective or experiential uh, understanding of what they entail. So these three subsystems actually, as you'll see, work hand in hand. They fluidly communicate and integrate information processing to solve this big dilemma the brain has 
of how to actually understand what's happening around it and actually even within it. The very first thing I want to start out by saying, especially in the context of something called an inner MBA program, is the value of attention for leadership. And one of the great quotes that I love by a professor named Ron Heifetz at Harvard is that attention is the currency of leadership. I think this is a very, very important thing to keep in mind. It's our most important commodity and the thing that will either make or break our success, not just in our interactions with other people, but our own experience of what our leadership looks like and feels like. So keep that in mind as we're talking about all these things. And I would even encourage you to think about how these different brain systems I'm about to share with you relate to your own leadership experience. So the first system of attention that I'll talk about, and again, I'm gonna use a handy metaphor for each of these, is something called the brain's orienting system. The metaphor I like to use for this system is that of a flashlight, or depending on the part of the world you're living in, a torch. And think about what, when and, and under what circumstances we would really benefit from a flashlight. You know, I think of the last time we had a storm uh, here where I live in Miami and all the lights were out. We need a flashlight to guide our path, right, in a darkened room. If we want to get more information to ensure we don't fall or trip, whether it's in your house or outside on a, on a, on a natural walkway, wherever it is that that flashlight focuses, you'll have privileged access to that information and much higher quality access than everything else around it. So just like that, the brain's orienting system allows us to have more fine-grained access to subsets of information, and whatever it is that our flashlight is pointing to becomes the centrally most salient thing in our conscious experience in that moment. So you can already very easily imagine, sure, you can use your attention to direct it external environment, just like a flashlight. But we can also use our attention to direct it to the internal landscape. So for example, we can remember very specific memories or focus on a particular thought or problem. We can even focus on the internal body sensations we experience. All of these are ways in which the flashlight of attention is essentially shining on different aspects of our experience so that those are highlighted within our conscious moment-to-moment -moment unfolding of our lives. And of course, that flashlight, the other thing to keep in mind is just like a flashlight, you can't point it in multiple directions at once. So this is sort of my built-in public service announcement because I know that, again, if you're interested in, in, in understanding attention and, and really improving the way in which you function in your life, my guess is many of you are what you might self-describe as multitaskers. And part of it may feel like you have no choice given the nature of the demands you have and the kind of pace of your life and your work. The first thing I want to unfortunately have to share with you is that multitasking is a myth. We don't multitask because essentially attention is very limited. We can only really pay attention to guess how many things at one time. One. If attention is needed for something that is consciously demanding of our computational capacity, we can only really limit it to one thing. So what we do when we say we're multitasking is actually something called task switching. Think of it this way. Your flashlight is on, let's say, an email you're trying to write. Then the phone dings, right? And you get a text message. Well, you're going to move the flashlight away from that and now engage it in the phone. In that moment, somebody walks into the room and starts talking to you. Again, disengaging from the phone, 
now directing it to that person. Even though it feels like we're in this complex multitasking environment, we are moving that flashlight around from one content domain or one thing to another. And if you feel exhausted at the end of the day, if your days kind of sound like this of just a blur of demand, it's because it ends up that that process of engaging and disengaging your attention, your orienting system in particular, is very energetically costly. Because essentially, you've got to set everything back up when you move to a new target for your attention. You've got to understand the context you're in, understand the parameters, and then you've got to set it up again when you move back to the old thing you were doing or onto something else. So this is all to say, we use our orienting system all the time. We use it for the external environment, the internal environment, but we don't actually multitask. So the next system of attention that I'd like to bring up to you is, again, a very different way that attention works. Think about the last time you were driving or walking by a construction site, right? You might've seen a caution sign, you might've seen a blinking yellow light. And what did your mind do in that moment? You probably realized, ah, pay attention, be cautious, be vigilant. This is another aspect of the brain's complex attention system, the second system, something we call the alerting system. And this system is very different than the flashlight, whereas the flashlight's job is to narrow and select. The alerting system's job is to be vigilant, right? To be sort of a sentinel to your experience, broad, expansive, and receptive. When you're walking past that construction site, you don't know what it is that you might encounter, right? It could be a piece of debris. It could actually be a strange traffic pattern. There's many different things that could be happening. And what it's indicating to you with that caution sign is get your attention ready. Have it be available so it can be deployed for whatever comes up. Very, very powerful brain system. But I hope it's obvious, quite different than this focusing aspect, right? So we've got alerting separate from orienting. And there's a third system too that actually, again, works hand in hand with both of the others. For this one, I use yet another metaphor. This is something called the brain's executive system. And the metaphor I like to use is that of a juggler. Now really imagine a juggler, a person, right? Let's say they're juggling oranges. What are they trying to do? Keep all those oranges in the air at one time. Very similar with the brain's executive system or what we call executive functioning. The job of the juggler is to make sure that our current goals and our current actions are aligned. And that term executive functioning is really based on what we know from the business context, right? The executive of a company has the job not of doing every single task, but to oversee, direct, and manage all the tasks that need to be done to ensure that they align with the company's goals. Same thing here with the, with the uh, manager of our brain, if you will, the brain's juggler. So I hope that's also clear that this is quite different. This management function is very different than being receptive or being narrow. But in anything we do, we need all three of these capacities to fluidly work together and actually support our ability to engage in complex behavior. 